This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 67. I got to do the most special interview I've ever done in my entire life, and maybe will ever do. I got to interview my mom for this episode. So there's a gal who listens to the podcast episodes, and she writes the blog posts for you to read. And as she was listening to this one, she texted me and was like, oh my gosh, your mom is hashtag mom goals. You know what, guys? She really is. And the cool thing is that she isn't perfect because perfection isn't real, and she didn't have all the tools and the resources and the information. She had her first kiddo at 19 years old and she crushed it. Like we, there are five of us. We grew up in a low income community. To me, what she embodies is that you don't need all the money in the world to do this, but having a village is key. I don't think that any one person has all the answers that you need in parenthood. I don't think you reach a point where you're like, oh, I have enough wisdom to raise a human to be a thriving member of society all on my own. I think instead what happens is that we have a kid and you're like, oh crap, this is hard. Let me pull together all the folks that can support me in this journey. And I'm so stinking glad that I'll have my mom to support me. Because she raised five kiddos who are thriving and all of us are different and none of us have perfect stories or perfect lives. And she is my ultimate mom goal. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Today I'm here with a very special guest for a special theme for May. 
I am chatting with the woman who brought me into this world, my mother. Hey, Ma. Hey. Thanks for joining Hello there, Melissa. Sure, anytime. <laughs> uh, do you want to share with these folks how many kiddos you have and how many folks are in our family, all that jazz? Sure. Um, so we have, Alyssa is one of five. Uh, she has three older brothers and one younger brother. So there's four boys and one girl in our family. And the age range from the oldest to the youngest is 13 years. My husband and I, Alyssa's dad, we've been married for 38 years. So that's us in a nutshell. Basically a billion years and a billion kids. Well, to me, not a billion kids. And <laughs> when I say the number 38 years, that seems like a long time, but it like in, in the span of time, it doesn't. It's true. This it is true. It doesn't seem like a long time. You're from a big family and so is dad. You are one of eight and dad's one of six. Did you always know that you wanted a basketball team's worth of kids? <laughs> to me, I, I mean, I, I don't think I ever really thought about it. But I also never thought, I don't think I ever considered two children as a complete family, mm -hmm. I guess, because I was from such a, you know, to, it, to, it was a large family even when I was growing up, especially even more uniquely because there were eight girls and not just eight children. That's um, so that was pretty unique. And then your father having, there were six in his family. To both of us, that was a norm. And so I never thought in terms of, let's go, you know, let's have two children, yeah. you know? So when we decided, it was funny because when we, when we talked about going and having that third child, your father's comment on that one is like, you went from man to man to a zone. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, and I always kind of refer to it as, that's the changing, that's the pinnacle change is that third child because, you know, you have the two parents or you have the two hands. So it's easy to grab both hands and say, okay, walk with me across the street. When you put that third child into the mix, it's either, you know, you go with dad and you go with mom and now we've got this extra or you take my hand, you take my hand. Okay, where's that third? And so the third child for me was that pinnacle turn. Once I got past that, it was yeah, not a big deal. <laughs> You're like, we can do three. We can do as many as we want to keep having. Yeah, because at that point, you were already past that. And you were, as your father would say, you're in that zone. And so, you know, we went along That's that line. Did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? It was, it was never a question for me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of infants. <laughs> this is uh, true. Huge fan of infants. And so um, the only way you have an infant is if you have more kids, you know? So, and I, even from, from a very young age, I mean, I being um, one of eight and I'm on the older end, I'm the, you know, second to the oldest. So I had, I always had younger sisters, so I was always around, and I remember being around. I distinctly remember the twins um, when they were born. I was five, and I remember that, and I remember them being babies and, you know, just the caring for them and not 
it not being a job, but more of kind of a love mm-hmm. from then on for the, for the following two also after the twins were born and babysitting, you know, would take the baby hands down over, you know, the eight year old yeah, um, same. kind of thing. So yeah, I, I don't think it was ever a question that I would have children and be a mom. Yeah, you're so, you are so maternal, and I don't know, I guess, what does that even mean? But it, it, you're so drawn to kiddos, and I got that a thousand percent from you. Like, <laughs> we're like in a restaurant. The other day we went, yes. it was uh, Fran, Zach, and I, and Zach was telling this story, and then he noticed that like Fran and I both weren't paying attention. There was a tiny human in the restaurant, and <laughs> we yeah. were just like full eyes over there. Yeah, no, I definitely got that. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And if I hear a baby cry and I know that, and you know, that infant cry, mm-hmm. um, it's like an automatic, Ooh, let me go help that. Mom, <laughs> apparently I can fix that, yeah, you, know? Right. And I, you know, or, and your father will say, say to me in a restaurant, he'll say, um, stop staring, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I'm mesmerized by the little ones, you know, like they just, they make me happy. Me too, mama. Did you, how about like being a stay at home mom? Like what led you to choosing that path? Is it something you also always knew you wanted or did that just kind of evolve as kiddos came? Initially it it was what we, where we were, you know, um, when your oldest brother was born, it was, we were, gosh, we were so young. (laughs) Um, now, you know, at the time I was like, so ready to do this and have this baby and, you know, be a family. And now when I look back on it and I think, oh my gosh, I was a baby myself. What did I think I was doing? (laughs) Um, but it just, for me, it was a natural thing. Um, as far as the stay at home mom piece, I didn't have an education behind me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that piece of, oh, I can go out and make a significant amount of money to support the mm-hmm. family. Um, and so it was, it was sort of the situation initially with, you know, daycare is going to cost more than I'm going to make and everything like that. And then there was, as, you know, as time went on, it just became the, the feeling that I didn't want to leave my kids with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be home with them and, and see, see their milestones and experience them and also be that influence of building those values and those morals and everything else and not being, yeah, not yeah. to do that. And also in looking back, like looking and thinking about it, like my mother was a stay at home mom, you know, mm-hmm. she had, she had eight children in 10 years prior to having her oldest, she, she had her, um, her teaching certification. So she could have been a teacher. My father was an engineer. Um, I think their choice was to uh, apparently to, for her to stay home and raise us. And she didn't go back to work until after my youngest sister was, you know, probably three years old or so. So she went to a babysitter for a couple of years, but she was always home. So I knew that stay at home mom. That was what I experienced. And your father was the same way. His mother didn't work outside the home. She babysat um, a 
children and stuff, but to him. So I think that we weren't, we didn't look at it as it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be out in the workforce also. So it was, we didn't have any extra money. I mean, like, but it was sort of where we were. And, and when I did go back to school after um, Zachary went to school, at times when I was like struggling through getting through all of that and thinking, oh, why did I, why didn't I go and do night classes and things like that so that when he was ready to go to school, I would be ready to just jump into the workforce. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, but then I would have missed something. Mm-hmm. Something would have had to give. You know, I would have missed those basketball games. I would have missed those, those nights you know, with my kids in the evenings and things like that, if I was going to school at night and if I was going to school during the day, my kids would have had to then be with another adult and not home with me. So I thought, you know, it wasn't worth the trade-off, you know, it means, it means I work longer, you know, age-wise than I would have had I been working from the time I had children um, or even shortly after to finish my degree. But to me, I wouldn't trade those those times with my kids for that earlier retirement. Yeah. Well, and it's like you said, like the like infant toddler stage like brings you joy. And so Oh, without a doubt. I think like if it brings you joy, do it. And if it doesn't, outsource it, man. (laughs) Send your child to childcare and work if you want to, but if it brings you joy, like stay at home, figure it out. And you and dad also always did a rocking job at just like, yeah, it didn't, it meant we didn't have extra cash, but it was your priority. And that was the accepted thing. Well, you also worked too, though. Like, I mean, I'm three and going to the store or you waitressed and things like that too. You had home daycare essentially. I did, but, um, I did it so that I was able to be home with you guys right. during the day and then dad would have to take over. And at first that was a shocking thing. The stories that we can tell about, <laughs> you know, him, him being the, the dad at home and, you know, feeding, feeding your brother, Andrew, um, ice cubes of um, peaches instead of <laughs> letting them, you know, <laughs> defrosting it and feeding him peaches and things like that, you know, that there, he didn't know it was, it made, in some respects, those, those little instances made me realize how much like I just automatically did in the home Mm -hmm. that he missed out on because I just took it up, you know, just took that role. Um, But that was what I grew up with too. So to me, it wasn't like, your dad wasn't doing his job. He was, you know, he was always there um, to be the dad, but also to be the breadwinner as far as like, he was the one that made the yeah. money. Well, um, and it's so just, we could like, it's just changed societally. I think like we give dudes yeah. a lot of crap, but what it, it, the expectation literally used to be like, you go to work and make money and come home and put food on the table and have a roof over our house. And that was, the male's role and now yeah. we've changed that and that's fine. <laughs> it was a very accepted norm. Mm-hmm. Um and I see the difference in my own children with um mm-hmm. like Eric and Jen and their and just that shared parenting piece um that 
was more one-sided with us just because I was home. Right. You know, um, not to say that your father never did anything because I distinctly remember us, you know, like after dinner in the evenings, it would be okay. Who's cleaning up dinner and who's getting the kids ready for bed, like doing the baths and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, I cook the dinner, I clean up, he sits on the couch and reads the paper and watches the news right. while I then rush around and get it, the kids to bed and all that. That piece of him being a father when he was home was there. Um, it was just there were a lot of things that happened throughout the day that he didn't have to concern himself with right? Um, because I was there to do it. Yeah. Um, well, and then and, once you were both working, like dad took me to orthodontic appointments or is that even a word oh yeah yeah he like what it, it I feel like it was very shared in so many ways especially once mm-hmm. we were back in school and then working too right and I had to I had to um, learn to let that go kind of just let it go and be feel like I wasn't not doing my job as the mother mm-hmm. with those things I just weird things like I remember things weren't in my kitchen the right way anymore because somebody else <laughs> emptied the dishwasher. And he was like, I had to remember, just let it go. And I, and your father would say things like, don't they know the dishwasher's empty? Why can't these dishes get in the dishwasher? <laughs> um, and I was like, hun, 20 years of dealing with this. So you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> um, so he just, he all of a sudden saw a different role within the, within our family. When I did go, back to school and to work where I wasn't necessarily the first one home or, you know, those kind of things. And we, we figured that out, you know, mm-hmm. along the way. You but are, I also didn't have little and Right. Right. I often describe you as the calmest or the chillest person that I know. How, how does that happen? And why didn't I get those genes? Uh, but really like, how does it happen when you're surrounded by five kids? I, Aunt Steph told me this story once of like coming into the house and you had just had Andrew. And so you had three kiddos who were, I guess, like each about two years apart. So, uh, Eric would have been what, like four and Brian's about two and Andrew is a newborn and you're feeding Andrew. You're sitting on the couch, feeding Andrew there's like a pile of laundry on the floor of the living room that Brian's playing in and Eric's just like crawling across the top of the couch. And you were just like calmly chatting with aunt Steph. And she was like, how in the world are you (laughs) so calm right now? And she's like, that is just like always been your mom. Like there could be chaos around and she doesn't feel it. She is just, she's like, yeah, I'm just feeding this kid. They're playing. How do you do that? I don't, I don't know. It's, I guess it's just me. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm easily stressed with stuff. Sometimes I do feel the stress, but for the most part, like it's just, it is life and I can go with the flow. I mean, I, I think my mother was the same way. And so that's how I grew up. I mean, she would occasionally lose it but she had eight kids in 10 years and so you know it's like she should be able to lose it you know and 
I feel like you're not afraid, like you're, you weren't afraid of us like falling off the couch and getting hurt, or you weren't afraid of like, oh, this laundry is going to get dirty if Brian's playing in it or you, right. Fear isn't a big thing that I see from you. Well, it's kind of, it's sort of the, don't sweat the small stuff because, Mm -hmm. you know, in the end, if, you know, if Brian's playing in the, in the laundry and it's already been washed and he's all dirty, then sure, I'm going to have to wash it again. But you know, I'm not sure it was even clean laundry, um, <laughs> but but that you get past the whole the panic when you're around it all the time. I think mm. um, now I'm more of a you know I'll even say to to Noah and, and Liv or the twins I'll say you know you're making Grammy very nervous doing that, <laughs> and part of it is I'm not around it all the time, so mm-hmm. I think they're gonna fall you know, because I haven't experienced them doing whatever the stunt is that they happen to be doing at that point. Because I do have that sense, I think I have that sense of fear. But I don't, I guess maybe I was just around it enough that it didn't, you know, didn't panic me, you know. Yeah, that Um, makes total sense. I I mean, and and I, I would say probably like looking at my sisters, I might be one of the calmer ones. I'm not a yeller. Uh, no, despite so, us constantly saying, mom, stop yelling at me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, but you yeah, know, do I have to raise my voice to yell at you though? No, you can yell at me with your tone and with your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Or just so throw I don't raise Gloria. You don't, you'll just throw or me in a, a list of Gloria and I'm like, yeah, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm not one. And, and I know like when I would get mad and I would talk through my teeth, Mm-hmm. And your brothers would say, she's mad. She's talking through her teeth, <laughs> you know, then they would realize they'd crossed the line. Yep. You know, now me adjusting to the household, because I grew up with seven sisters, we weren't physical, mm-hmm. like in any manner toward each other. Now, not to say we didn't say mean things to each other, but we never acted physical toward each other. And then having boys and watching your father like wrestle around with them when they were little and everything, that would give me consternation. (laughs) And then even their, their physical like reactions with each other, not that they were fist fighting with each other. Um, but there was more physical contact than I had grown up with, than I was used to, and that than I was even comfortable with at first. Well, not to say that I got ever got really used to it, but I think I must have become a little bit immune when you were like, I think two, two and a half, and you maybe three, but you had pretty good language skills fairly young, made the comment that Andrew had hip checked you. Mm-hmm. Um, going down the stairs. Yeah. So for at like that point, the rest like, of my life. So for me, like switching from us not, you know, like ever any physical contact to having the boys where there was occasional wrestling type stuff, but never like fist fights or anything. Mm-hmm. Just um, a casual hit. That, right. Right. That occasional thing, or even just like playing sports and things like that, Mm -hmm. that physical contact that I hadn't ever been exposed to, that made me a little uneasy. Um, And I'm 
still not good with it because um, I'm pretty much a peace on earth kind of person. So you ask for, um, for every Christmas, every year. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Voices. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin, too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. So the first three, Eric, Brian, and Andrew are, I mean, the two oldest are like, what, 18 months apart, something like that. And then two years between the next two. Was that, how was that different versus navigating? Then there's a four-year gap and then me and then a five-year gap and then Zach. How was it different navigating those first three versus like Zach and I? I think with the first three, I was just on, I became on automatic mode. Mm. You know, they, but they also had each other as playmates Mm -hmm. and to do things with and all being boys their their um interests were similar and so they did a lot together although girls could have those interests too oh yeah definitely I knew that there would be some feminist comment coming from you at some (laughs) point um but but we um you know, so I had the three boys, which also not something I was prepared for in my brain because I'd only ever had sisters. So, you know, even just getting into 
And sports when we were young didn't happen. Like the earliest thing any of my sisters or myself were ever involved in was Little League. And my my sister just below me, um, Julia, was decided to do the gender barrier and jump that and go out for Little League. And she, I think, was probably in our town, one of the first set of girls to do that. So I wasn't accustomed to starting in, you know, kindergarten with sports and going, going, going with it Um, because I didn't live that world. Um, Your father had those, so he was pushing that a little bit more. And your brothers were very, you know, they wanted that. And you grew up with that, so you thought nothing of it either. Not to say we didn't do our dance recitals and all those, you know, choice pieces and um and all along it was always a choice for everyone but i'm sure that like our exposure my hmm. kids exposure to the arts might not have been as high as their exposure to sports yeah, but we spent in every family like whatever everybody's going to we all have our interests like as adults right. and it's just like what you're consuming is then what the kids likely end up consuming unless they're like, Hey, I'm really, if I would have said, Hey, I'm really into the trombone. First of all, you all would have been like, Oh God, uh, because there's no way I could like hear a tune and carry it or whatever you do with the trombone, but you would have supported it hands down. Well, yeah. And, and I, I feel like my parents did that sort of thing with the sport. I mean, your aunt Kathy played the trombone. So, um, so those sorts of things, I think that, yeah, we would have definitely done. Your father might've gone kicking and screaming had you decided to continue with dance because his <laughs> dance recital experience was not like the optimal one, you know? I was also like um, three and Eric still says I that, know. that recital was the worst day of his life, which is so rude. It was, it was like four hours of pure hell for them. Um <laughs> And, and the fact that they all felt the same, they were just like, it was almost like a gang up on mom situation, yeah. but, and, and <laughs> Alyssa, it out, but, I, but back to the question, I would say, you know, like I went on automatic mode with them and we just, they were the guys, like you used to always say, where'd the guys go? Um, mm-hmm. where'd, I want my hair cut like the guys, um, <laughs> things like that to you, like they were one. Mm-hmm. the guys. And so the time that I spent with you, like when you were, when we had the store and everything like that, and you came and you worked there, um, part of that was money. I couldn't pay somebody to watch you and still make money. So you got to hung, hang out with me and learn how to make change and things like that. But it also was, I didn't want to let you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Wait, well, so, I, again, I think yeah, it goes back to like, those you enjoyed that time. But you also like told yeah. a story a little while ago that stuck with me where you were like freshly postpartum with me and like hanging clothes on the line and Brian <laughs> was out there helping you. And Brian's six years older than I am and Andrew's four years older. And Andrew came out and was like, hey, Alyssa was crying, but I took care of it. <laughs> and she, you're She's on the bed now. <laughs> Oh God. He said, she's on the bed now. So you'd been in a bassinet and you couldn't have been more than, oh, a week, week and a half old because I was not in running mode at that point. And we had a large yard. So the distance from where he was telling us that to where I was, um, was a distance. 
And uh, <laughs> and uh, Andrew came out nonchalantly telling us that. And Brian looked at me and I looked at him and he says, I'll take care of it. And he ran like crazy to make sure that you were okay. And you were, He and I don't have any idea how he at four got into the bassinet enough to lift you out and move you not far you were fairly close to the to to the actual bed um but it was a water bed um to to get you onto that you know without you know you know the holding the head and the whole nine yards But I think that's like, that's also a difference. Like I'm number four. And the fact that like Brian at six was like, I'm on it. And he sprinted in. Oh yeah. And that you're like, yeah, the six-year-old can handle this. And he probably could. He probably did. In the same way that like. I mean, I was behind, but I was still behind that. Yeah. Right. But then even as like a five-year-old, I mean, Zach came along and I very distinctly remember like, and pictures show this of like me just walking around holding him as an infant. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah. and my just, father followed you behind you with his hand, you know, just in case he fell. Sure you fell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, but yeah, I and think you that's were, part of it. The like big family being raised in the village thing. Like we all did chip in and help. I was changing cloth diapers at five years old. Yep. And I think that's oh, yeah. cool. And cool. It I actually worked. had. Somebody recently, um, I'm doing an episode on siblings and I'm interviewing someone else uh, next week on it, but I asked the audience for like, what are some questions you have about this? And one of the things I asked was, how do I like support my oldest kid? I feel like is constantly the one that I'm like, oh, I need your help with this or I need your help with this. How do I like navigate that? And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this because part of me thinks like, how that's just the role that they end up falling into as the oldest sibling. Yes, I agree. And and I don't know how you prevent that. I don't like the either. fact that I had, you know, and they can be your big helper depending on their age range. Mm-hmm. You know, when Brian was born and Eric was 18 months old, at one point I, Brian was on the couch, so he was not able to roll over. And I found a Rice Krispie coming out of the corner of his mouth. (laughs) Um, And Eric had decided he was going to feed him, you know? So it just, you know, those little things of, you know, no, you know, you don't, we don't feed Brian anything. Mommy does the feeding. Um, That kind of thing. Those conversations had to happen. And the same way with Andrew, when he was born and decided to move you, it was like, no. We don't pick up Alyssa unless mommy's right there. Um, but can you help me? Can you grab this? Can you do that? And um, I think that, that that just becomes part of a family is mm-hmm. what it is. It's not yeah. like I'm, I'm, not, I'm somehow not doing right by my oldest. No, they're becoming a family member and having responsibility. And I think that that, that in itself is key to teaching that child that you do have responsibilities and to be part of this family and it might just be grab a diaper for mom um or could you you know could you get this for your little brother or little sister or whatever that it just is part of what we do you know the big 
the biggest thing with the age gap was, um, well, I mean, first of all, for you, the fact that you and Andrew are the distance that you are involved a miscarriage in the middle between that. Right. But, um, so, but then Zach, and we talk about this all the time, Zach was pretty much born and had to be 12. Right. Almost immediately um, or more because he was five years from you mm-hmm. and 13 years from Eric and Eric and Brian, for the most part, really, and Andrew even never treated him like he was a baby. Right. Um, <laughs> once he was old enough to, to not be a baby. Um, and I, I credit the fact that he is as well adjusted as he is and able to be as comfortable with any span of age to that, to the fact that you guys never really treated him like the baby and did the spoiling route. Although you were never really happy when I would say, you've got to remember he's only whatever age when you wanted him to be acting closer to your age yeah and you were frustrated with him and you're like well how do you keep why do you keep saying that and I remember <laughs> saying because that's true and it's always going to be true he's always going to be five years younger than you and so at some point it's not going to matter like now it probably right. doesn't matter near as much right um but he also when, he just turned out as the best blask <laughs> he's the kindest human I've ever met in my life. And just like, he's just a good dude. And you're right. He yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he was probably days out of the womb himself going to basketball games because he was born in November. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was just he thrust was. right into, there was no like, Ooh, stay at home, newborn life for sack. It was like, you never, were never. And when I, now when I look back on it, I think, Oh my goodness. I brought that kid out to, basketball games when he was four years old and we would be there until nine thirty, ten o'clock and I'd had him right there with me mm-hmm. you know even through his schooling years you know he just people must have thought what a terrible mother she that child should be home and in bed I don't think anyone um, ever thought that about you <laughs> I think Zach also he, like found his role here. not just like Eric or the older siblings finding their role but Zach found his role in like we would go to these games he ended up then being a ball boy for soccer or like he figured out like how do I what's my role here how do I engage yeah he did and he wanted to be part of it yeah um and and loved it you know and I don't think he ever felt slighted by the fact that he had to be at those games that's all he knew yeah Yeah. you know to be honest but for me like my relationship with him is like so much more closer to a only child relationship mm-hmm. yeah because we spent you know you were already in school and i was home with him so i spent so many hours just alone with him i could hit anything thrown at me with a bat because he would throw baseballs to me you know, and I could hit him because that was what we were into. You know, right. um, right. I played so many games of Uno and whatnot. And your father would come home and say, what's for dinner? And I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about it. We've been busy playing. And 
so we had that and then you know continued because it was always that you were graduated and he was just starting you know just going to be starting his high school years so he spent all of that time um so that type of relationship that we have with him is is different Mm -hmm. than what we have with um I have with the rest you know everybody else not to say that it's better in any manner it's just different yeah, um, I was talking to Fran about this too. She also has like a big gap. She's the youngest, uh, Zach's mom, for those who don't know. And her siblings are much older and there is a big gap. And she said, she was like, I feel like I also kind of grew up just with a totally different relationship, but also kind of like as an only child in a lot of ways, even though she was in this big family. And we right. have always, as the siblings, been like, oh, Zach has it so good. It's so easy to be Zach. Of course, completely discounting how it would have been challenging in any way <laughs> most <laughs> how great it is to be Zach uh, but yeah it's just totally different I think totally different and and not bad or good just different what would you hard tell to you? hate him though because he's a nice so guy hard. though he's the nicest <laughs> having sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system and I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the order of the problem solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and mealtimes, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. If you're loving this podcast, then you would love our Tiny Humans Big Emotions membership. Every month I go live on a different topic in emotional development so you can ask your questions in real time. Then I give you bonus tools for implementing it. And as if that wasn't already jazzy enough, we do a Q&A two weeks later so that you can come back and share what's going well and ask questions about things that you want some more support on. I get to guide you through implementing these approaches in real time so that we can raise emotionally intelligent humans together. The coolest part, you can have all of this for less than $15 a month. Less than 50 cents a day, friends. Head on over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to join us for our next live workshop. What would you tell your younger mama self now? 
I think I would say cherish the time because you think, you know, 18 years that it's, that it's a long time, but it goes by so fast. And then all you get to be is a grandparent. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. Um, I just, I mean, I look at it and, and in some respects, maybe that's why I can say there's so much of a different um, kind of relationship with SAC because I experienced like you guys all graduating and seeing like that, you know, there, I wasn't going to be in a basketball games where they were going to be playing anymore. Right. It made me so much more cognizant of like you, you blink and your child is grown up. And it, it really hit me one time when, um, we had Eric had his first had his confirmation the same year that Zachary had his um, first communion, and I remember I'm I'm in I'm in his first communion mass, and shockingly I was crying. And, I remember you um, crying. <laughs> and someone's like, "Mom, seriously, it's his first communion," and I wasn't crying because it was his first communion. I was crying because I felt like it had it had just been Eric's. Yeah. You know, and to me, you do get caught up. Like when I talk about, I said, you know, I became on automatic mode um, with the oldest three. I think I did. And, and I, I don't, I don't know that I enjoyed mm. them as much as I wish I had and cherished those times. I think I, think I it, when you're in the thick of it, well, you had it, young kids. I know, I know. I had three young kids. I had three, uh, they, and they were wonderful kids. I mean, they were good. I had, I had, um, I was blessed with just very good kids. Yeah, I mean, there were moments <laughs> with everyone. Everyone has their, their story to tell where they did something or some, some more than others that they probably shouldn't have. But I had, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have kids that I was, that I said, I have to get out of my house because I cannot handle my children right now. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. I didn't live that. And I, maybe that part of that is, is just my personality combined with the fact that I had good kids and maybe it just outright is I had some phenomenal children which I believe I have. I think, I think you also had like a skill set that a lot of people don't necessarily have in that you had parented alongside your parents, you had parented your sisters and like you'd had experience with infants and toddlers and all that jazz. So it wasn't even, even though it's new and different when it's yours, it, there were a lot of things you already knew what to expect. True. I had had that, those experiences. I do remember yeah, shortly after Eric was born, my mother coming and Eric was, didn't do as well. He, he didn't want to sleep. He was perpetual motion. He just didn't want to sleep during the day at all. Mm -hmm. um, once he did sleep, you know, he was that, that 12 hour sleeper. And once we hit 10 days and which pretty much all of you guys, when you're about 10 days old, you slept the night, he slept the night, then it, 
that at least gave me the chance to have sleep. But he would, he was at one point crying and I was sort of at my wit's end. Now I'm, you know, 19 years old, almost 20 and got this newborn and I'm living four hours away from my mother and she picks him up and puts him on her shoulder and has him asleep in minutes. And I remember going, <laughs> thinking in my head, I'm a horrible mother. I don't even know how to take care of my baby. Mm. Um, I don't remember any other times really when that happened um, that I felt like I just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm scared. And, and like I said, I, you guys were good. You were also healthy, which was very a big plus. Mm -hmm. I didn't have many emergencies with you guys. I mean, we had, we had our shares of stitches and things like that, but um, nothing that I felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown over. Right. Um, so, but what, I don't know, you know. What is or has been the most challenging part of motherhood? Teenage years when you know that you're right and trying to stand strong and I think I stood stronger at the beginning and didn't through the middle years and wish I had you know that that's one of the things I wish I I stuck more to my guns on some things instead of giving into um those teenage lying Yes, lying. Um, yeah, for sure. Comments that teenagers do, you know, and and instead of saying, you know, no, you're not going to do that, and that's just the way it is. Um, I gave in when I shouldn't have, and I know in my heart I probably shouldn't have, mm. because I put I put my kids in a position where they could have made poor choices, and I know it doesn't matter. I mean, I could have wrapped you guys and you know, in cotton and everything, and it wouldn't have protected you from yeah. the world. That doesn't mean you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, in it's, hindsight now, yeah, I, you know, I can look at it and go, crap, I should have, I, I should have stuck my ground, you know, and your father was, and sometimes he was, he was easier going and sometimes he wasn't. And there were times when he was saying, nope, we shouldn't let her do that. And it was you more than. Um, more I've always than, pushed um, that boundary. And I would give in. And and it like it never came back literally to bite us. It wasn't like it came back and it was like that he could give me the I told you so. But I know now uh, he was right. You know, like I shouldn't have said, yeah, you can go to Geneseo. You know. <laughs> and visit um I know that and not just because you you know come clean in your year your later right. years those are things I'm not sure I want to hear though like the come clean things because that <laughs> does that does um make me question myself but I, I wish that I had been a little firmer and stronger in that respect it's so interesting though Mom, I, because one of the things that I have said to so many folks and I really believe in my heart is that I am, I'm a fiercely independent woman <laughs> and, uh, and, and can confidently navigate the world. And one thing that I think you and dad really like you gave me 
was the confidence to say like, all right, yeah, I don't know German and I don't, I have to figure out how I'm going to like financially afford to like go over to Austria, but I'll apply for scholarships and I'll figure it out. And I can take this risk because I can figure things out along the way. And I'm sure like now you look back and you're like, I wish I hadn't let her taken so many risks. But for me, like I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, was I homeless in New York City? Yeah, but I learned so <laughs> thinking much. And you always said you have a place to come home to. It's not like I had nothing. Like I, I chose to be homeless in New York City instead of going back to small farm town, Western New York. And the, but you let me go. And in doing so, not only did I learn so much in those moments, but it just built this confidence of like, now I have this business that is continuing to grow and thrive and I get to do what I love every day because I had the confidence to say, I have no idea what it takes to run a business or how to do any of these things, but I do know that I have always figured it out and I can figure this out too. I I agree with that. You know, I mean, that's not what I mean when I say not let. I'm saying more of the when in your heart, you know, when your kid says to you, I want mom, I want in their 14, 15 years old, I'm just going to go with so-and-so and we're going to do whatever. <laughs> and you know, in your heart that they're lying to you, Yeah, you know, or that it's probably not what that is. Um, and you, because you don't want to, it was not that I didn't want the fight. It's that I was, I wanted you to be happy and I wanted to believe, mm -hmm. even though I didn't in my heart. And then some of those cases, I just wish I had been stronger and more um, like, no. And I know there were times when I was, but mm -hmm. I also know there were times when I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, and not necessarily on purpose, but, you know, now when I look back on it and it, you know. Hindsight, it is, man. It is, it is, yeah. It's 2020. I didn't. Yeah. What was it? Uh, what is or has been the most rewarding part of motherhood? That's where I would go to kind of what you alluded to before or commented about. I would say the fact that we've been able to say, take your, you know, like we gave you those roots and we gave you those wings. And when your brother wanted to go to Costa Rica and people said, how can you let him go? You know, like you don't know where he's, you know, 15 years old. How can you just let that, you know, let him go somewhere and live with him? And I, I was pretty much my feeling was, how can I not? Mm -hmm. um, it was the same way with you going to, you know, going to Austria. How could I not let you go and experience something that um, could be life changing? And yes, there are chance, there, you know, chances and everything like that. I did just trust in some respects in the program you were going in and what we had taught you as far as like what you should do. It's not like I in any manner taught you survival skills. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, actually the other day, Zach and I were hanging out and he was like, you know, I love you so much and you're my favorite Blask, but if I was ever stranded on a desert Island with any Blask, you wouldn't be the one I choose. <laughs> I was like, that's, smart. <laughs> yeah, no and that's always the joke there. Right. That's always kind of like the joke and question in the family is like, if you were, and Brian is the one that says, I don't even want to be stranded with myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, because Brian, I don't not be able to do it. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, I think but I would love that, to though. see how well 
you guys as a group, a family, All be able to handle us? something like that. Yeah. What oh, I'd really yeah. like to do, I would love to do is put you guys in a breakout room together <laughs> where you have to work together to get out of it and just see and watch it. Like, because I know exactly how it would go down. And, and I think we all think we know, but I would just love to see it happen. And I love my children, like truly in all honesty, I absolutely love, I would pick spending time with my kids and my grandkids over anything in the world. That's um, so sweet. I also yeah. love hanging out with you. <laughs> I haven't always my well, whole life, but now I really, do. I know, <laughs> I know. And, and, that's to me i really i i really mean it when i say it um truly makes me so happy to um spend time with you guys to see how you guys react with each other and um cuz you get along i mean for the most part you are siblings so there are those things but you really do like all get along with each other and can yeah. have some some fantastic bonfire conversations and <laughs> you know beach challenges and <laughs> things like that that just make uh our family fantastic that's very sweet mama for the last question what is your biggest dream for the five of us like what was it when we were little, I guess. And what would it be now? Your biggest dream for us? It was, I mean, for me, it's always to do better than we did. And I, you know, I feel like you guys have at this point, you know, and, and just for, for nothing else to be happy, like to be happy, like in your life to, to, um, I mean, we've got so many different personalities, you know, um, you know, Eric is just so common sense, down to earth, the person that you, if you need, he's your first phone call, need it done. He's the one and he's the one who'll do a research and help set it up for you and he'll whatever. And Brian is just pretty much the biggest go-getter you'll find. You know, if you're not given a hundred percent, why would you even show up? Um, <laughs> Person. And how could you not give a hundred percent always? Right, right. Because no one in the right mind ever doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> and then you know, Andrew is—he, you know, I say he's my wanderer. He's my free spirit. He's the kid. When I say, so, like, what's the plan? And he just will now at least laugh and say, "Mom, do you know me to ever have a plan?" <laughs> and so. You know, he, and he's okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me nervous, but he's okay with that. And just your, your fierce determination to be the person that you've become is fantastic. Thanks, Mom. Um, and Zach, wow. Um, <laughs> he's hopefully pursuing his dreams gonna come out at the end really well you know I mean I believe in him and it's it's 
it's a long road to become a doctor. It is. And, and in Poland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, and, and so even that, you know, like him taking that, that challenge and going and doing that first thing saying, well, no, that's okay. I'll just stay here and use my biology degree and do something and mm-hmm. everything like that. Him saying, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And, and doing it and at this point rocking it and everything else and and also like making it work yeah you know he's in Poland of all kinds of places and (laughs) apparently the Poland team basketball team for Lublin the college where he is has asked him to play basketball with him a few times a week so that's awesome it's just like yeah so he's making his niche and he's done that all the way through you know, he's, he's kind of it's sort of funny. Cause I've always said he's sort of uh, a melding of all of you guys. Yeah. He is. You know, it was sort of like after, you know, I've got these four molds and then Zach, it couldn't start over. He's just that compilation of, of all of you guys. And, uh, and he, even in our freakishly large family, as Jenna said, <laughs> it works for us. Yeah, you know, it's my favorite. So when I get everybody together, yep. When I get everybody get together, I'm the happiest. Doesn't mean I'm any less happy when I just get to see one or two of you guys. So like that still makes me happy. So we should um, still come even if the others aren't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We didn't downsize for a reason, or I didn't. Dad would have gone with the two. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that was a one. There was one person in that decision, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to not say, yes, please come home. So, you know, there's always a, a place and it's home and everybody's welcome. I feel like I hit the jackpot with you as my mom. And I certainly didn't know how good I had it growing up. Um <laughs> So I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But now, I mean, for sure, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I feel like I, I, with you as my mom, with dad as my dad, with my brothers as my brothers, my sisters-in-law, my nieces and nephews, the whole shebang, I feel like I hit the jackpot. And I'm so grateful that you and dad I mean, you created this. We all, we all of us get along, even though we have different personalities, because that was the expectation. And we all have a place to stay in your house. And a lot of us have used that place to stay (laughs) multiple times as adults. And uh, we know that because you have still like that door is always open and it has never uh, been a question. So thanks, mom. Thanks for giving us roots and wings and letting us fly now. You are welcome. And in all honesty, you were my very best Mother's Day gift. Oh, yes. I was born on Mother's Day for those who don't know. And I remind her every year how she already got the (laughs) best gift she'll ever get. I did. As painful as it might have been, (laughs) it was definitely worth it. Thanks, Mama. I love you. I love you too. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. 
Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.